On Thursday, the Supreme Court split four to four on a case about immigration. That could be a really big deal for how Latinos cast their ballot this fall. Here's the backstory. President Obama wants to extend temporary legal status to a large group of undocumented immigrants, people who are known as low priority for deportation. That means authorities are not likely to arrest them or deport them. And because they have no legal status, that means even though they're not likely to be deported, they often can't live the life that other people can. Republican-controlled state governments have been trying to stop Obama from doing this. They call it amnesty for undocumented immigrants. The Republicans succeeded last year when a federal judge in Texas put a halt to Obama's plan. The Obama administration appealed that decision and then lost in the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. The 4-4 tie in the Supreme Court, brought about because the court only has eight justices right now, means that the appeals court ruling stands. So for now, Obama's plans to give legal status to millions of undocumented immigrants is halted, at least until after Obama leaves the White House. That's what happened Thursday. This is No One Knows Anything, the politics podcast from BuzzFeed News. I'm Evan McMorris-Santoro. I wanted to know more about what the Supreme Court ruling might mean for the 2016 election. I thought one way to find out was a check-in with what's going on with the politics surrounding Latino voters. They're a growing part of the electorate, and there's a sense that the GOP may be distancing itself from them, maybe drifting farther and farther away from winning them in big numbers. Democrats know this and have made a big, big effort to woo Hispanic voters to their side. I called up Adrian Caracillo, who covers Latino politics at BuzzFeed News, to talk about what we know about the Latino electorate in 2016 and what this case might mean for them. Hi, Adrian. Hey, Evan. All right, so let's just start off by defining Latino electorate. What percentage of the vote has been Hispanic in recent elections? You know, in 2012, it was 8.4% of the electorate, and um, in some key states uh, that sort of decide the election, they could decide, you know, who wins the, the, the presidency. It's millions and millions of people, and it's a growing – the expectation for 2016 is that it grows, right? The expectation is that it grows, and, and you know, uh, particularly with what's been going on with Trump's policies and rhetoric – if in 2012 uh, the conventional wisdom was that some of the things Mitt Romney said sort of upset Hispanics on immigration, I mean, Trump has gone you know so much farther than that. The expectation is that they're really going to be energized to vote against him. Yeah, let's talk more about that because I have read that Latino voter rolls are really expanding this cycle. Like a lot of Hispanic voters are registering to vote this year. Is that true? Is that really happening so there, there's two parts, and, and, and there have been a lot of parts of it that have been sort of anecdotal, but there is hard evidence in places like California where there has been like a huge growth of Hispanic voters. And so uh, that has also happened in uh, North Carolina and in Georgia. And so then you start getting into like, you know, you start thinking, well, if North Carolina is close, maybe Latino voters could switch that state 
you know, obviously if Hillary Clinton can win a state like North Carolina, she's probably in good shape uh, to beat Trump. So that's the thing where it's been in a few states and, and there haven't been like complete hard numbers in, in a multitude of states. But, you know, I did the first story, which was sort of like looking at people that were here in this country for 10, 15, 20 years that were naturalizing, they were becoming citizens to vote against Trump. And and if you think about that, that's kind of crazy. They have been here 10, 15, 20 years. They have never decided to become a citizen because they're a legal permanent resident and they're fine. It's, you know, they don't need to become a citizen or they don't want to. But now this time they're deciding to become a citizen to vote against Trump. So there definitely does feel like there's this energy among Latinos, but it's not an easy thing to do. You know, you can't just flip a switch and get Latinos to come out. Think of it like this, Evan. In a place like Iowa, New Hampshire, they understand their place in the primary map, and they understand that every four years, everyone's going to come down and they're going to vote. In some of these other states and in places where there are large Hispanic communities, there's not that track record. There's not that consistent every four years we vote. Um, So it's just sort of something that has to be, you know, that infrastructure has to be built. Right, because there might be a lot of new voters on their hands. I mean, this idea of people signing up to become a citizen to vote. That's not a cheap thing to do. That's expensive to do that, right? It costs, I think, several hundred dollars at least to sort of start that whole process. So that's a very motivated voter. Yeah, you know, you're basically talking about um, if you, I think one thing that is often left out of this calculation is that, um, you know, network Spanish language giants, uh, Univision and Telemundo, they reach like 96% of Latino homes. And so not that all Latinos are speak Spanish first um, as their first language, but, you know, what they've been hearing for a year uh, for people that Spanish language news is their first primary language, what they've been hearing for years that someone like Trump is a villain. So we did, you know, we know that Republicans were making a big deal about trying to improve their position with Latino voters. We know that a lot of Republicans have been out there trying to do that. They now have Trump to deal with. How are Republicans doing this cycle overall when it comes to trying to um, improve their position with Latino voters? They've done a lot of work. I've written a a lot about that. Like they've tried to in places in Colorado, in Orlando, where there's a lot of Puerto Ricans, for example, they've done a lot of work in like local elections and state elections in the midterms. And they've done work to try to like create a brand for the Republican Party that is not as, you know, exclusionary, um, which was part of like their after 2012, after Obama won, they they did this you know project where they, they want to become more inclusionary. The problem is that Trump has gotten so much media attention and his um, statements, uh, you know, when he when he launched, he said that uh, Mexicans that come from Mexico are criminals and rapists. Um, recently, a few weeks ago, he said that and Mexican-American judge from Indiana um, was, would, would be biased because of his heritage, because of his nationality, and that he wouldn't be fair to him in his case that he has against Trump University. Those are the kinds of things that that attention is really where, you know, you have Hispanic voters have been hearing such bad stuff about Trump for a year now um, that the good work that the Republican Party did to be better with Hispanic voters has kind of been overshadowed. Yeah, I mean, you've done some reporting about people who actually were at the Republican Party to help out, uh, try to do this, and a lot of them have, have 
sort of taking a step back now, kind of let this Trump thing work its way through before they get back into Republican politics. Yeah, there, there's a lot of, you know, Hispanic operatives that, that work for the Republican Party, both nationally and locally. Um, the Hispanic media director, she left, yeah, from the RNC. I've heard of people that are thinking of leaving. And what they ultimately tell me is that this is such a hard job. It's so you're so busy. It's just to to then do that hard work for Trump, who, you know, one operative told me they don't believe in him. Uh, that's where a lot of them just don't feel, you know, that they want to work for for the Republican Party right now. So how are Democrats doing when it comes to capitalizing on this Trump moment to, you know, boost their vote with Latinos uh, electorate in the fall? What I always tell people is there's two things. One thing that you need to keep in mind is, you know, Obama really grew the percentage of Hispanics that would vote for the Democratic Party. That was 71 percent in 2012. That's a really high number. What they're trying to do, what Republicans have tried to do is, is obviously get more of that support, but they haven't shown any evidence that they can. So what I tell people is starting off in 2016, you know, the Republicans had a big challenge on their hands. So let's start off with that. You know, number two, the rise of Trump and the way that this has become such a polarized, you know, electorate, and there's been a lot of, you know, comments about immigrants and immigration. I spoke with, you know, Hillary Clinton's pollster, uh, Joel Benenson, and, and, I, and I asked him if 75% is kind of what they're thinking as a starting point. And, and he told me that that's, that's a hard number to reach because about 23% of Hispanics are Republican. But that's sort of where Democrats find themselves, where they have this really big opportunity, but people are saying, are they doing enough? Are they really starting? This? Because this is hard work. You have to really go into these communities, find people to register. Especially when we're talking about new voters and first-time voters and people who are maybe trying to come into the system because of Trump and don't really know their way around it. That requires a lot of resources to you know, to get those people out there and ready to go. Mm -hmm. It requires a lot of resources, um, you know, and these leaders will tell me that, that these are, these are voters that you have to kind of tell them why they need to vote and you need to make them understand, you know, the deadlines to register and, 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 and then get them to register, then turn them out. So while there is this energy and it seems to be trending towards the Democrats, there's a lot of work to be done. Right. So a big, so it's still a big challenge for Democrats. And on this court ruling today, we're recording this on Thursday, how does this play into all of this? How does this court ruling that happened today where the Supreme Court kind of crazily didn't make a decision because there's nine, there's eight justices, there's supposed to be nine, but there's eight because of, you know, the Republicans won't put Obama's justice on the Supreme Court. So what does this mean for the rest of the, uh, for the rest of the cycle now? How does this play into the election, this, this, this crazy day at the Supreme Court? Mm -hmm. I've spoken to activists a lot, you know, in the last few years, Evan, and, and what I noticed immediately when I got there was how quickly, to, to the Supreme Court today, was how quickly this has become a black and white issue. It, you know, they were saying, you know, we lost today, but we're going to win in November. They were saying we have to defeat Trump. They were saying the only way to ensure that we have a 5-4 majority that will not rule the way it did today in a 4-4 gridlock tie is to get basically Hillary Clinton elected. And so... You know, these are the type of groups that criticize Obama. Today they were criticizing the Obama administration on deportation raids. So th these are not groups that are uh, always completely friendly with the Democrats. But, you know, as you know, when it gets to elections and when kind of everybody goes to their side, they don't like Trump. They, they feel offended by the stuff he has said, and they know 
uh, many of the Republican presidential candidates in the primary said that they would get rid of Obama's executive actions on immigration, but they know that Trump will get rid of them immediately. So it, it, it just was, I was really, you know, sort of taken aback. That's the first thing I noticed, how serious this just became a, well, we have to stop Trump, so that means we have to elect Clinton. And, and just that very black and white nature of it kind of showed me that, you know, when you add Trump and then you add this decision where a lot of the families of these people will now are now in limbo and they don't they don't know if they could be deported. Um, you know, that's where we are right now. Wow. So possibly a big turning point in the election today. Um, all right. Well, thanks, Adrian. It was a lot of fun, Evan. Thanks for having me. No One Knows Anything is produced by Meg Kramer. Editorial oversight from Catherine Miller and Eleanor Kagan. Production help from Julia Furlan and Antonia Sarahito. Our music was composed by Beauty Pill. Find us on iTunes, on Twitter, we're back at No One Knows, and you can email us at no one knows anything at buzzfeed.com. I'm your host, Evan McMorris Santoro, and we'll be back soon with more things we don't know.